Welcome, everybody, to the Eyes on Big Podcast, your go-to Big Ten football podcast, brought to you by the Amador Whiskey Company. I'm your co-host, Jeffrey the Greek, joined on Wednesdays by... This is Dustin Schutte. DS, you on Twitter? Nope. And I am Jeffrey the Greek at Jeffrey the Greek. Thank you so much for listening and downloading the podcast. We are recording on a Tuesday evening because Hurricane Ian is bearing down on our guy DS. Um, so we are recording a day earlier. This is actually so probably won't be released till Wednesday. Uh, but if there's any happenings or whatnot, people, we just want you to know that, you know, this is a full 24 hours to the time where you can probably consume it. So that's that's the first PSA we wanted to put out tonight. DS, how are you doing, my man? I'm doing great. Uh, I've got stocked up on liquor and cigars and everything else you need for <laughs> a hurricane type of situation. So I'm good to go. But I did want to send out my own personal PSA. A lot of people have reached out to me via text. Facebook, Instagram, a lot of different uh, platforms. I am okay. Um, there's no mental health thing going on with Twitter or anything. Uh, just a brief rundown. I was sitting uh, before work one day uh, and wasted two hours doing literally nothing but scrolling through Twitter. So I gave myself a firm grounding, uh, if you will. So I'm not on Twitter, but I'm perfectly fine. I just wanted to not waste two hours of my free time uh, scrolling through Twitter constantly. So that's that's the reason for the break. I do see all the messages uh, and I truly appreciate it. Like it, it's weird that, uh, you know, just writing about Big Ten football, talking about Big Ten football has reached out to so many people, uh, very humbling. So that's really cool, but perfectly fine here. Uh, just wanted to give myself, I'll probably return at some point, but I wanted to give myself a break uh, because that was, I was ridiculous. So I'm grounding myself. I think that's called personal discipline. So shout out to you. Um, I mean, I have to put my own governor on myself. Uh, I'll be honest with you, not on the weekends. <laughs> I, I feel like I can I can do whatever I want on the weekends. But during the weekdays, it's, I hit it right in the morning just to see if there's anything, you know, that I, I don't know or whatever. Then it's pretty much... Uh, lunchtime and bowel movements after that during the day like i try to i try to keep it <laughs> i try I to keep it, it to, you know the the minimal amount uh then typically you know once i get the, the kids down and taken care of then i'm back on it at night i'll be completely honest with you but shout out to you and like i had told you there there has been a number of people that asked about you so it's probably good that you get that out um uh, and and by the way good luck with the uh the hur- the hurricane i you know, I'm for the Midwest, man. I mean, there's tornadoes, but honestly, that that doesn't happen very often. Um, hurricanes are much more common and all encompassing. Um, you basically for where you're at, you're more inland. So what could get you? You were telling me is is basically copious amounts of water and possible lack lack of electricity at some point. It's almost kind of like a tornado, like you just kind of hunker down. Um, there's flooding that could happen. We could have down power lines, so we could be without power. Um, there's a lot of people, but like overall, Gainesville, from what I've been told from my brother, uh, is that Gainesville is one of the safer places to be because it's so centrally located. So that's a good thing. So I'm not really worried about my health. I'm worried about my hunger in case the power does go out. <laughs> that to me is the bigger issue. Um, so I don't, I mean, it's still going to be a big storm. We got, I think, eight to 10 inches of rain and 60 to 70 mile per hour winds maybe nice. so it's gonna be it's gonna be uh something to keep an eye on but it's 
to be honest, uh, I'm not really worried about my personal safety. And now that I've said that, I'm sure a tree is going to come crashing through our roof at some point. <laughs> is, it hitting, is it hitting yet? It's, it's 846 local time as we record this. Is it is it hitting you yet? It is starting startlingly calm. Okay. That's a, but it's like like the calm before the storm is a very real thing. Like you could go outside and there's not a blade of grass. Wow. It's, okay. It's, like you can that's sense something's not right. Yeah. Well, uh, bourbon's got sugar, you know, so that's a carbohydrate yeah. right there. So you got a little bit, um, here, here's, here's a, maybe a dumb question, but, uh, houses all over the Midwest have basements. I'm in the downstairs athletic club. Does your place of dwelling have a basement or is that anything you have to worry about? No, we do not have a basement. We have, so it's like a, a townhome. You walk in and you go immediately upstairs. Okay. Uh, and then, so you're on a second level. So flooding in the apartment or townhouse or whatever is not really something I'm worried about. Um, I don't, we, we live around a lot of trees. I'm more concerned about literally a tree blowing over and, and falling on top of the house okay. or a bunch of branches, like destroying my car more than anything else. All right. Well, I wish you so luck there, there buddy. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, I gotta, I'll, uh, I gotta, I'll send I out, up, you give me updates and I'll send out updates via Twitter on how yes. you're doing to make sure everybody knows you're, you're doing well. I'm going to capture some video and send it. That way you can post it. You'd be like, I'll be like the, the uh, non Twitter or Twitterless Jim Cantori or something <laughs> okay. just sending you updates. Okay. And for any wrestling fans out there, I just have to say that the only thing when I was growing up and going through high school, I was a big time WWE fan. The only thing that's gone through my mind is that there used to be a wrestler called the hurricane and his entrance was stand back. There's a hurricane coming through. <laughs> <laughs> through my life the past week or so well i hope you fare better than the actual miami hurricanes have fared oh, in yeah. on the football field this year we'll put it out there um uh speaking of feast or famine i was having a conversation with the brother today darren the american and we were just kind of debating um as an iowa fan uh, both of us we certainly know what it's like to have a famine on the offensive side of the ball but then we talked about the hopelessness of Michigan State and Nebraska and how they're feeling on the defensive side of the ball. And we basically debated with each other what's worse, having an absolutely anemic offense or an absolute sieve of a defense. What say you, DS? What's, what, what is worse in those two, two choices? So this is such an interesting question. I feel like I could talk about this for an hour, and I'm not even joking. <laughs> it um, is. It's on five. So... If this question was asked 20 years ago, I would say I'd rather have an inept offense because I feel like the old mantra, like defense win ga wins games. But I feel like in this era of college football, I would rather have a bad defense because I feel like you can make up for it with an explosive offense. I mean, the Big 12 with like Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, um, they Baylor at times, I feel like they've kind of proven that. You're not going to win at an elite level, but you could still win eight or nine games with an awful defense. I also think, and you're going to add some good insight to this. It is so frustrating to me to watch football and just be like, I can't, can you not get one damn stop? Like, <laughs> so okay. from a fan standpoint, I think I would rather have an inept offense because it is so painful to watch the defense not get stops when they need to. That's just my perspective, but my look, I'm a fan of Purdue. So, so offense hasn't been much of a problem. So maybe that's uh Maybe that's black and gold colored lenses I'm looking at it through. 
and I have a different hue of black and gold yes. lenses that I'm looking through. Um, my guess is if you're an Iowa fan, most of them are screaming. I would rather have, you know, a more, a, a better offense. If you're a Michigan state or Nebraska fan, you're, you're saying the opposite point I'm trying to make is it's going to, it's going to come from the experience of the fan base right. and what they are currently frustrated with. My answer is probably going to be confusing in that I think the better thing to have is the great defense and anemic offense. I believe you would be in more games with that type of setup. And wouldn't Iowa be a perfect example of that? I mean, they very rarely get blown out almost every game that they're in, even with the offenses they've been rolling out for the last year and a half. And some would say more they're in all these games. Um, so I think that's actually the better choice. I'm not so sure if I wouldn't choose to have the sieve of a defense, though, because those games are more entertaining. You know, I mean, I hate to say it, but there really is no difference between losing a game 14 to 10 and 52 to 48. It's it's a four right. point loss either way. But I sure feel like it's more entertaining, you know, 52 to 48. Um, but that's, that's coming from, you know, again, my point of view, if you gave me two, three straight years of watching your defense, not being able to get off the field, I don't know, maybe that's the most frustrating thing when you literally can't get a stop and, and shout out to SRS, uh, standing room Spartans podcast, because they kind of got this going in my head. It was, I mean, they're obviously struggling right now in defense and it was hilarious for them to say, he goes, you know, after all those years at D'Antonio, we were spoiled. And now I look at our defense and you go, well, no wonder. Look at how much of the field you have to defend. It's so hard. Right. How does any defense ever get an offense off the field? And it and it, and it, it literally it made me chuckle and laugh. Um, so anyways, I just thought it would be a fun little little part, little way to start the podcast off this week. You might be on this, you might be onto something though, because you can score points defensively. You can't get stops offensively. There so you, go. you might I I I think it very much depends on what you've seen, like, like uh, the last five years or so. If you've seen a really good offense but no defense, you're probably going to say, "I'd rather have a better defense," and vice versa. So that's it's such a like I said, I could talk about that for an hour. That could be an off season. That <laughs> so we could do a deep stat dive on that. Exactly yes. what works out great. So, all right, thanks for humoring me there. All right, here we go into the games. This is this is this week's setup for our guy DS. We've got all 14 teams in action, seven games. What does that mean, you simple mathematicians? Every game we will break down will be Big Ten, the Big Ten action. This is about as good as it gets. Unfortunately, about as bad as it gets is how these jerks set up the schedule. There's three early, three in the afternoon, one at night. I mean, right there, it would be nice if we had two in the evening. The other side of it is... and. I know when they set these things up, it's with TV, it's kind of tough to, to do, but it sure seems like the most compelling football is in the first time slot. And then it gets less and less compelling as you go into, into the evening. I don't know if you got any thoughts on that. It's frustrating for me. Yeah. I mean, I think the three games that everybody has the, the highest level of intrigue of, or at least from you and I perspective, those are, those are all in the same time slot. Yeah. What are they? I mean, there's, it's not to say that there aren't more, there are some intriguing games, but not nearly what you see in that noon slot. I wish, yeah. I wish there was, if one of those games was in each time slot, that would be ideal. Don't get me wrong. I find 
all but one, well, all but two of these games intriguing. I mean, I find them all intriguing, right? This is Big Ten. I, these are all my babies right, here. Um, two of them, you know, as, as they're written up on paper, don't seem to be look to be competitive games. Those should be balanced out with the better games. I wish there was two in the evening, but I digress. The other thing I wanted to point out is I think I might be fine for the banana in the tailpipe here on a couple of these because I don't know. I'm torn. Is Vegas trying to tell me something saying, yes, that's what you think this line should be. And don't fall for it where I should actually take the opposite of what's going on um, or just take what I believe my eyes are telling me. Anyways, we'll we'll get into that um, as we go in. I just thought I would preface it by saying that. All right. So first up and once again, all these games are on Saturday, October 1st. DS, we have moved through September that quick. We are into October. First game up, the number four. 4-0 Michigan Wolverines coming into Kinnick to take on the 3-1 Iowa Hawkeyes. This is a 11 o'clock a.m. game on Fox, a.k.a. This is the big noon kickoff. Line Wolverines by 10 and a hook over under 42. So Vegas is saying something like 27-17 to 17 Wolverines. All right. As I mentioned, this is a number four ranked Michigan Wolverines. Um I swear I would give this stat, even if I, I wasn't a Hawkeye, but it really is kind of incredible. The last six teams that have come into Kinnick Stadium, 2008 Penn State, 2010 Michigan State, 2016 Michigan, 2017 Penn State, 2017 Ohio State, and 2021 Penn State. Iowa is 5-1 and one at home versus those six teams that were ranked in the top five. As I pointed out to my bro earlier today, I think it's rare to even play that many power five teams in your own schedule. Like even having that many opportunities to beat them, let alone Iowa taking down five of the six as they come in. Um, So it is is a thing that me and you have to consider that anybody considering gambling on this game, it's it's a real thing when, when these top teams come into Kinnick. Well, and I think they put a, I don't want to say they put a higher emphasis on it, but I think that Kirk Ferentz, Phil Parker, the entire staff knows how important these games are. And I've always thought um, the conference games matter. Like, I think if you ask Kirk Ferentz that you were going to finish a season nine and three, he wants all nine of those wins to be in the big 10. Whereas, you know, I don't know if that's necessarily the case with, with all coaches. So I think it is a thing. Um, and mind you, some of those Iowa teams, I think the 2015 Iowa team might have struggled offensively quite a bit, too, if I remember. I can't remember. Or the 2016. Yeah, two, yeah so what? 2016 Michigan. Um, right. I didn't go to that game. I had a young one at home. And I'll be honest with you, it was a good enough excuse uh, to not go to the game. Um, Michigan was rolling. At that time, yes. Iowa was struggling to do anything. That was a that was a that was a tough Iowa team to watch that year, and they beat them. I I, I mean, to this day, it's probably one of the more baffling wins that Iowa's ever pulled out. Uh, patting myself on the back, I actually called that upset when I was working at Saturday Tradition my first year. Wow. Um, <laughs> 
because of actually what we talked about was the the, the previous uh, struggles that ranked teams have had inside Kinnick Stadium playing at night. Um, so it is a real thing. I I like it. This is going to sound really dumb, but I like it a lot less because it's played at noon instead of a night game. I think yep. there's a little Kinnick magic at night. Um, and and one thing I have is that like I think. I don't like that 10 and a half line in favor of Michigan and we can get to that later. But the thing I'm, I'm watching with this game is I think Iowa's defense is good enough to shut down Michigan's offense, but for how long, because this is going to be the best defensive team Iowa has played. And while I think the offense has made strides the last couple of weeks, I don't know how they're going to be able to move the ball that well against a really good Michigan defense. So it comes down to how long can that, Iowa defense bow up because I feel like for two and a half, three quarters, the Iowa defenses and special teams are going to be keep this game close. But at some point the dam's going to break and Michigan's going to hit a big play or two. Um, so that's what I'm kind of watching in this game. I think that these teams are, are it's going to be a really fun matchup. I just, you, you're going to have to get something offensively out of Iowa. And I'm just curious to see what they do against a really good Michigan defense. Yeah, and those are the points I think anybody that's breaking down this game with knowledge of these teams is going to look at. Um, uh, to go back to something we talked about, then I'll quickly move on. But Michigan fans were hoping for weeks this would be big noon. Iowa fans were hoping for weeks this would be a night game. Yeah. We're a little disappointed, <laughs> and there might be a uh, uh, nudge, nudge, hint, a better chance that I, <laughs> I would be down in Iowa City this weekend if it was a night game. Um, so two weeks ago, I would have given Iowa next to next to 0% chance to win this game. It's funny what can change just over the course of a weekend, Michigan handled, but like uh, struggled with Maryland last week. I I don't think that's, that's, you know, besmirking every either team. Maryland is better than people realize. Okay. So like Michigan didn't beat a nobody. They, they beat a tough team. Okay. Uh, but there were a couple cracks in the foundation that you saw. Number one that I think stuck out the most was JJ McCarthy showed some of his freshmanness. Okay. Yeah. Extremely talented. Obviously, we think he's got a bright future. His tools that he's got in the bag are, are, are insane. But he pressed a little bit last week. There were some reads that he didn't make real good, as well as I thought. I think they were trying to incorporate him in the rushing attack and he kept giving the ball away that was uh the, the wrong read and he was sitting in the pocket way too long i was i was actually shocked at how long he held on to the football the other thing that i thought i saw was i think it was the first time that michigan's defense went against a, a more physical big boy attack okay um certainly maryland has got a, a a much more well-faceted attack on offense than Iowa does. There's, you know, there's no debate about that. Um, but I would even say it was the first time that just somebody up front challenged the Michigan front seven and Michigan responded well, but there was a moment of kind of, you know, almost shock there, I think probably yeah. by Michigan and Michigan fans saying, Oh man, this is a, this Maryland team is actually moving the ball. And what's the, what, what, I was kind of reminded of watching that Maryland game. And by the way, I'm just going to say this. Uh, Maryland should be ranked. We can talk about that when we talk about the Michigan or the Michigan State-Maryland game later. Um, but the thing I thought back to was, we. do you remember 
remember how unimpressive Michigan looked in that win against Rutgers last season. That's kind of what this reminded me of. Like they hadn't played anybody up to this point. Then they're going to go in and play Maryland team, which I gave no chance. So they proved me wrong in that game. But I do have some concerns about JJ McCarthy because this is going to be a much more physical Iowa defense than he saw against Maryland. Um, They're going to play aggressive. Uh, uh, what's it? Uh, Cooper, De, is it Dejean or Dejean? I want to call him Dejean. Cooper Dejean. Yeah. Well, I like Dejean because it's mustard, and I love yeah. mustard. But yeah. um, <laughs> uh, like, I feel like I was going to create some turnovers, and he's going to have to be able to respond to that. Um, so that's going to be something I keep an eye on too. This is his first time as a starter going into a road environment. There's a lot of factors here that I think gives Iowa a better chance uh, than people are are thinking, and. Like I said last week, I think the the addition of uh, having uh, Keegan Johnson back um, in the in the lineup is a is a huge thing. When you have actually scholarship receivers on there, it so makes Keegan, a difference on the field. Keegan's out this week. <laughs> Just oh, gotta, gotta, oh yeah, yeah. we got a couple more guys back, but Keegan's not one of them yet. Okay, so uh, but at least having uh, you know some some presence in the passing attack makes a difference that's a that's a big blow i did not know of um but i don't i just i think i was slowly but surely offense is making enough strides to where they're not going to be a three and out every single time they get the football yes um there there have been albeit small steps but but things that you have seen in the nevada game and then last week versus Rutgers. I believe Rutgers actually has a good defense and overall it's a good defense. I think they have a very good rushing defense. So I don't think it was completely insignificant that Iowa found some rhythm in the rushing attack last week. It was one of the first games that actually all the running backs were healthy and playing as well. I mean, it's just been a absolute injury battle at the, at the running backs and wide receivers. So they got some of those guys back. Um, uh, um, LaShawn Williams and Caleb Johnson, I think are the two is the two headed monster that, that is looking pretty good. So I, I, I do think that's something to be positive about. Um, the defense was, it was the Iowa defense last week. I mean, I, yeah. I went on the records podcast. I tried to pre-warn them like this is, and I just have so much faith, you know, now you got Kayvon Merriweather making plays. Cooper DeGene yeah. might be the, I don't know, first six weeks of the season, Big Ten player of the year on defense. He's been yeah. incredible. Jack Campbell is still there. Um, but on the other side, you just you you can't help but eventually com- compare quarterbacks. And JJ McCarthy has just so many more weapons in the toolbox, namely his legs. I think that is going to be the biggest X factor in this game is JJ McCarthy making plays with his legs. And that's designed rushing plays from JJ McCarthy and what will be the most frustrating thing third and sevens that Iowa's overall done a defense has done a good job they've got wide receivers covered and he runs for the first down like I think that is going to be the thing that's going to be a huge factor in this game I agree and just want to throw a quick question at you do you think going on the road helped Iowa figure some things out offensively it's a it's a theory. I mean, getting Spencer okay. Petrus away from the kid well, crowd, to be honest I, with you. And yep. 
I don't even think it's necessarily just Spencer Petras. I just not having the stress of being booed. Um, and I'm not, look, if, if my team was out there, I'm not saying I would boo, but I would understand it. Uh, but just kind of going out there and knowing you can just kind of play football. I feel like that made a difference because it, it looked even the Nevada game you, because Nevada is pretty bad. I just think the Iowa offense looked a lot different in that Rutgers game. Cause like yeah. you said, I don't, I don't think Rutgers is a bad defense. I just think Iowa figured some things out and took some steps in the right direction. See, that's inter- that is even more interesting to hear that from you than when I talked about it earlier today. I keep referencing my brother. It was a good conversation um, because we're Iowa fans and we probably are looking for positive things to see. But when I rewatched it, I was like, they've got some stuff figured out. Yeah. They've been shuffling guys on the offensive line as well. Coincidentally, the only person that has not been shuffled on the entire offense has been the quarterback, which is the one that most a lot of Iowa fans wish would get shuffled. Anyways, I digress. Um, But I think they got some things figured out there. Um, I'll go first and because I'm curious to know what you're going to predict after that. Um, I talked about the running ability of of J.J. McCarthy. Listen, Blake Corum is on another level (laughs) right now. And that offensive line, I I have tons of faith in the Iowa defense, but it it's just it's I don't want to say easy, but there's too many opportunities for Blake Corum to find a crease and go. Like you just can't keep that dude bottled down yeah. all game. I don't think anybody can. Well, maybe Georgia. Uh, but I, I and then another person that 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 I'm I'm personally scared of is Roman Wilson. There, that guy is so fast. I feel like he's yeah. he's playing on 1.25 speed when everybody else is normal. I think there's big there's just too much big play ability there for Iowa to to keep them down the whole game. It will be a great overall team performance. And on the other side, Iowa's offense does okay. Okay. Not not awful, does okay. But in the end, the perfect blocking that is needed for Spencer Petras because he does not get out of the pocket. There's just not enough there. And I hope I'm wrong, obviously. But I've got Michigan 23. Iowa 16, so that is an Iowa cover, and at 39 points, I have the under. Wow, we are seeing basically the exact same game. I have Michigan at 24, Iowa 15, uh, so that's an Iowa cover, and at 39, that's an under. That is, cr- that's kind of crazy, man. I, folks, I, I swear to God, I don't know, I don't know no. Dustin's picks until until he reads them to me. So, well, that would. That would mean you would think maybe people would put some money on that. We'll see. With all that being said, putting money on Iowa on the money line in this game is not the stupidest thing you could do. But and I should I should clarify just real quick. I said I didn't like the ten and a half. I don't like it because I, I would not ga- I would not touch it. Um, I think it's about spot on. Okay, totally get it. I also think it'd be about seventeen points if they said it two weeks ago. That's that's how mm-hmm. crazy things can change in this sport. All right, staying at the 11 o'clock time zone. This is a good one. I'm excited to break this one down, too. The 2-2 two and two Purdue Boilermakers at the 4-0, and finally ranked number 21. I think there's going to be higher. Minnesota Golden Gophers. This is on ESPN2 line. Gophers by the odd 12 and a half over under 53 um, Vegas is saying something like a 31 to 21 or 31 to 20 Gophers victory. Um, bit of a rivalry here between Brom like Tom and peach. They've there's been some 
contentious situations yes. uh, between these two programs recently. We got a fun one here, DS. What uh, what are you looking at here? Okay, so a couple things. Number one, Minnesota. If Kentucky's a top ten team, so is Minnesota, based on what we've seen through four games. Uh, that's number one. Um, number two, Minnesota. Do you know how many games they've won out of the last nine against Purdue? Can you guess? Seven. Eight. Wow. I think Brahms first, if I remember correctly, I don't have it right in front of me, but I, if I remember correctly, Brahms first year, 2017, was Purdue's only win in the last eight. Now, I know you like conspiracy theories. I've got a conspiracy theory for you. Okay. I'm not saying Aiden O'Connell wasn't hurt last week against Florida Atlantic. I'm wondering if maybe he was flip a coin 50-50, yeah, I can play. And then Jeff Brahms said... No, no. The Minnesota game basically cost us a trip to Indianapolis last year. We'll sideline you. We'll keep you healthy. I want to put Austin Burton on tape, and then we know that Jeff Brom doesn't talk about injuries at all. I want Minnesota to have to game plan for two different quarterbacks heading in this game because I have to win this game if I want to win the Big Ten West. He doesn't – after they lost to Penn State in in Syracuse, he – I think Jeff Brom legitimately thinks every year he can get to the college football playoff. Like, I think that's his mindset, whether or not anybody else believes it. Once they lost to those two games, his focus now becomes the Big Ten West. Again, I'm not saying Aiden O'Connell wasn't hurt. I don't think he was – if he was 100%, he would have played in that game. But I think if 50-50, we're going to sit here, we're going to put something else on tape for Minnesota to have to game plan for, and then I'm going to play this. Uh, I don't know who's my starting quarterback come Saturday I'm not saying that's what happens that's what crossed my mind because I think he wants to beat Minnesota that badly wow wow that is that's some, that's some interesting <laughs> that's stuff um I can't take. I can't and he doesn't I we're video recording this folks he does not have tinfoil around his head right now I can confirm um I can't I can't make up my mind hearing that if you're on to something or you're just kind of a a crazy fan of your team. You I know, might be, like I might be crazy. The, the <laughs> two often coincide in the same house. Um, that is interesting. Uh building on that a little bit, I rewatched that that game, the the Purdue FAU game. Extremely inter- entertaining football contest. Yeah. Um, you know, I was kind of going under the assumption that Aiden O'Connell was out this week. Uh, with that being said. It was a shockingly different offense under Austin Burton. Um, if if you wouldn't have seen Purdue in their uniforms, you would have never thought in a million years that was Purdue. I mean, it was it was read option. Uh, the they didn't throw down the field nearly as much. A lot of it was like short, completable, you know, uh, uh, pass to the wide receivers, see if they can, you know, kind of tunnel screen type of stuff. Um, I mean, Burton's rushing yards weren't that great but like the mobility was obvious his mobility was obviously the feature that they were trying to to show to everybody and maybe because of that uh it's potential that the double d's uh devin maccabee and dylan dowling uh kind of you know they there was the rushing attack was there more than what you've seen anymore um i think fau tried you know to take charlie jones out of that game as much as possible um anyways just a ton of stuff. And as I'm saying that, I'm like, yeah, I mean, you want to put a lot on tape for Joe Rossi to look at 
how about rolling out an offense that is completely, completely different, different from what yes. you put under Aiden Okada? You, you might be on something, man. It's, I'm stunned. I, I'm kind of like wishing I would have talked to you about this before we record because now my brain's going off into about a 500 different directions. Um, okay, Minnesota, switch it over to them. Oh, oh yeah, the ranked team in this game. Um, they are you know, rolling right now as much as, as could possibly be rolling through your first four games of the season. I, I'm, I don't want to make too big of a deal out of this, but is it possible that now, I mean, they're even getting press locally, which is really tough yes. for the Gophers to do versus the, the Vikings um, media, national media, people on Twitter, you know, like, Tons of podcasters, tons of people are now paying attention to the Gophers. You know, it it tends to creep in to a team psyche a little bit. Got really good senior leadership with Ma Ibrahim and Tanner Morgan. So I don't want to make too big of a deal. It's just something different about having the bullseye on you as opposed to being the team that wants to get the respect. It's especially... Um incredible to see this kind of success under a first year head coach, whoever came in and replaced PJ in the off season uh, has done a great job there in the first year at Minnesota. Um, but uh, let's see the interesting thing to me about uh, Minnesota here is, is this is kind of, I don't know if I want to call it strength on strength because obviously Minnesota's biggest strength is running the football, but a, a sneaky stat that I saw for Purdue is their defense has allowed just one rushing touchdown. Yes this season through four games, which I don't think I would have ever get. You could have given me a hundred guesses. I'd have never guessed that it was just one touchdown. Here, here's um, something I just saw before we started recording. So I'm going to pull it up. This is by stats by stats on Twitter. The Minnesota golden Gophers have allowed under 280 total yards in 11 consecutive games dating back to last season yeah. under 280 Ooh. yards. Joe Rossi See, is cooking. He is cooking. And what's, what's, Amazing to me is, again, it feels like we're always talking about the Minnesota offense because we want to see the shades of 2019, but the defense has been the story. And the other thing is, along with Purdue's strong defensive attack, is that Minnesota has completely shut down the pass this season. I think they're the best team in the Big Ten defending the pass. They've got four interceptions, only allowed three touchdowns. So that's why I say strength on strength. Purdue's passing attack is obviously the strength. Uh, Minnesota's Pass defense, you could probably argue, is the strength of their defense, even though, I mean, they've been they've been good all around. Uh, and then Purdue's run defense has been pretty good, and obviously Mo Ibrahim, Trey Potts, and uh, Bryce Williams have all been really good this season. So this is – I think people are going to look at the records, look at the rankings, and say Minnesota's going to steamroll, but this is a very intriguing game for a lot of reasons. I could not agree more. Um, this this could be game of the week. By the way, uh, eyes on big fans. My bad. Uh, usually, I put the poll out on Tuesdays for the Big Ten game of the week. Just swamped at work, completely forgotten. And then the fact that we were recording tonight a day earlier, it didn't work in my brain today. I apologize. This would have been obviously one of the games I would have put down as a candidate for Big Ten game of the week. I would not have been upset at all had this been what the fans decided. Um, this this is a really intriguing game. Um, the other thing too is, is Tanner Morgan is in such control of this offense. Okay. Um, I mean, he's playing like a six year senior, <laughs> um, yes. and, and, and the, the, the tools around him are, are good. I mean, Mo Ibrahim and the running rushing attack is 
phenomenal. The, the, the wide receivers are good. You know, I don't think they're as good as 2018, but they're good. Right. Um, Tanner Morgan is even, I think better than 2019 right now. Um, and that might be somewhat controversial. I just think that's how much, how, how the wide receivers made him look that much better, by the way, look at his stats versus Michigan state. I mean, he can't get any better than that, but that's not as good a defense as they're going to face this right. week. So, you know, I sat there, I'm like, can Purdue get pressure on Tanner Morgan? Purdue's only had six sacks in four games. Like they have not been getting there. It's just been a swarming defense. You know, they just get to the ball carrier and attack. It's a much better defense than what people realize it is. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, I, I think we talk about Minnesota's defense not getting respect. I think Purdue's the last two seasons, probably last year it got enough respect, but this year it's kind of hindsight, but that's because you get, I mean, you've had Charlie Jones be phenomenal, Aiden O'Connell, obviously. This is going to be, I'm going to say this, and I've got a pretty high score total, but I think this is a really interesting uh, defensive matchup too. I would not be, I wouldn't be surprised if this was uh, Syracuse-esque, whereas it was, you know, 10-9, and then the fourth quarter you saw a scoring explosion. I don't know what to expect in this game, so it's going to be, this is is going to be a really fun one, I think. Yep, go ahead with your prediction. You go first. So weird things happen in college football. Upsets happen all the time. I really think Jeff Brown wants this one more than any other game on the schedule. So I have Purdue with an upset win, 33, Minnesota 28. So obviously with a Purdue upset, that's a cover, that's a Purdue win, and that's a pretty healthy over at 61. All right. We have diverged yet again. A little bit different. I think I was closer on Iowa Rutgers last week is what we were different on. So I got that one. See, I remember the wins. I don't. I think the other one you were closer. I cannot. Oh, it's Miami of Ohio. You call Miami of Ohio yep. over Northwestern. Uh, so again, one and one. So this is our first one that we differ on. You kind of talked about the first half of Syracuse, and I, I think we're going to have more of a full game that's like that. Um, okay. I think this is going to be a slobber knocker. Okay, I do think both teams want this bad, um, but. PJ seems to have Jeff Brom's number. And it's just one of those things like until I see different and, and why would I bet against Minnesota when they're playing this well and now they're at home. So, but with that being said, again, back to the things you brought up competitive Brom wants it. I've got Minnesota 24 Purdue 23. So an absolute chiller. Uh, so that's a Purdue cover and at 47 points, I like the under thought about making this my Amador lock of the week. Interesting to hear you say that it's going to go over. All right. Moving in to the afternoon, the three and one. I mean, we got, we got two teams playing with each other, playing against each other. They only got one loss between them. Right. I mean, this has got to be a, sh- cl- a close spread here, right? The three and one Rutgers Scarlet Knights at the number three ranked four and Ohio State Buckeyes, 2 30 p.m. game on BTN line. Buckeyes by 40.5 over under 59. So Vegas is saying something like 50 to 10. Um, we're both going to predict <laughs> Ohio State to win this game. The drama is exactly how we think it's going to look. And if we think Ohio State's going to cover that astronomical number, I just want to say, it- you know how a team is rolling, or you know a team is rolling when they have a wide receiver playing in an Apple Watch and Louis Vuitton 
cleats. Yeah. Like, yeah, uh, and I saw a tweet uh, that I that uh, was sent to me, um, and it was hilarious. It was uh, something along the lines of Marvin or uh, Ryan Day texting Marvin Harrison Jr. the play call. Right, right. <laughs> and he's on checking his, it on his Apple on Watch. His Apple Watch. <laughs> so that was good. Um, remember, oh, just two weeks ago when people were thinking Ryan day wasn't maybe the right guy or <laughs> Ohio State's offense isn't as good and they have just exploded the last two weeks um I mean and they've been out with without Jackson Smith and Jigba this is without arguably your best receiver on the roster playing and you put up 77 against Toledo and 52 against Wisconsin um like to you use said, a, I don't think to use an overused eyes on big term they've gone nuclear they have gone nuclear. Um, I, again, I agree. I think Rutgers' defense is solid, but the talent discrepancy in this one is just what pops off the page to you. Like, I think if Rutgers wants to, I'm not even going to talk about winning the game, just cover the spread. They're going to have to muck it up, try to take some deep shots, try to catch them off guard offensively, just get aggressive, get pass interference calls, see if the, make the officials throw the flag. Like to me, that's the only way Rutgers can can keep it respectable in this one because the t the talent discrepancy, especially on the offensive side, is is just overwhelming. Yeah, I mean, I know it's the bigger shock. Uh, Rutgers going from playing Iowa to Ohio State, <laughs> or Michigan going from playing Maryland to Iowa. Um, anyways, um, Rutgers did impress me. Okay, I, I I have got to call myself out. I thought this would be a semi-atrocious team. You, you just can't expect that out of a Graciano team. They're just going no. to be better than you think they are. This is a, a pretty good team. Okay. You don't get to three and one and challenge Iowa by being crap and they're good. Um, shout out again to Evan Simon. I mean, the hits he took in that Iowa game. I, I, I think I might like it more than Rutgers fans. Um, I see, I see actual talent there. I know they want Gavin Wimsett so bad. We don't know if he's going to be available in this game. I don't know if you necessarily roll him out versus Ohio State, if he's still on the line for healthy or not. Um, speaking again to uh, the Shiano effect, um, since he's been at Rutgers, I was curious on this, playing Ohio State, the average score of an Ohio State Rutgers game is 50 to 20. So they put some points up on on yeah. on Ryan Day's teams. Yep. So an average, yeah. I, I'm actually impressed by that. As right. Bad as, as bad as that is, like they used to get beat 66 to three in the Chris last year. Oh, so that's okay. So you you stole my thunder there a little bit. I totaled it up. The three times Chris Ash played Ohio State, the average score 55 to one. They kicked. <laughs> <laughs> They kicked a field goal in three attempts. So they averaged one uno point a game versus Ohio State. Now, now, granted, those were Ohio State defenses that were yes. much, you know, they were a lot tougher than kind of what Ohio State's have. But anyways, I thought, I do think there is a trend there to look at. Like, Shiano does not, he is a master at, at, at hiding things. And when he goes against a little bit bigger opponent, he opens things up. He did that last week versus Iowa. You could tell how the Iowa defense was surprised how much they were chucking it around 
in that game. They they had to adjust to it. I I think he's going to try to do that somewhat again here, here. And you brought up another point that I found interesting. Um, if any team that is playing Ohio State, I know what the goal should be: get them into the red zone. You, you get them into the red zone and make them score a touchdown inside the phone booth. Don't give them the 40, 50, 60 yard bombs that immediately rack up the points. But like you said, pass interference, whatever it takes, umbrella coverage, keep them in front of you, get, let them get the yards and see what happens. I, so I think Ohio state racks up the, the yards here. They'll probably rack up the points too. Don't get me wrong, but I, I think that's the game plan to try to even remotely uh, slow down CJ Stroud and the rushing attack. It is a two-headed monster yeah. at running back right now that is just – it's just insane. I'm interested to see the uh, – because I, I think it was 2019 when Rutgers had no business being involved in that game, and they they weren't. But at the same time, like, I think they had, like, a kick return for a touchdown. They had a trick play that I believe was called back. Like, it was – uh, they broke out some stuff and they tried yep. some things. So I, I'm interested to see where this game goes. I don't know that it's going to be all that competitive, but I think it, it could be for people that watch the Big Ten and we're going to watch that game anyway. It could be fun for us, right? Yeah. Uh, so I'll, I'll go ahead. If you're ready, I'll jump go into for this. You uh, bet. I've, I've got uh, Ohio State 56. I got Rutgers 14. So that's a narrow Ohio State cover. And at 70 points, that is a very healthy over. Okay. Um, we're a little bit different here. Um, I can see that I, this would be a fun game to put some money on, on the line because it, it's just, and I, right after I said it again, I'm like, but it's, it's 40 points in a Chiano. Like he's going to keep fighting. Like they'll keep yeah. fighting in the fourth quarter, you know, even though they're down by four touchdowns, that's what would make me nervous taking Ohio state to cover but then after I say that, I think, oh, God, why would I bet against Ohio State? Because they right. are that. And so it's a, it's a fun one. In the end, I took Ohio State 49, Rutgers 13. So that's just an ever so slight cover for the Scarlet Knights. And it's 62. I'm also over, but I don't like I don't like the over quite as much as you. I I, I could see that going under. Wouldn't uh, wouldn't besmirch anybody from doing that. The Eyes on Big Podcast is sponsored by the Amador Whiskey Company. Our unique process takes the highest quality Kentucky bourbon and finishes in California wine barrels. This double barrel agent technique creates unique characteristics in each barrel that produce one-of-a-kind whiskeys. Amador is made to be sip neat or is perfect for classic bourbon cocktails. Just like your go-to Big Ten football podcast, Amador is the go-to whiskey this football season. Don't forget to hashtag Ask for Amador and check out our new website and finder option so you can see where Amador is near you at www.amadorwhiskeyco.com. Amador Whiskey Company, born in Kentucky, raised in California, Moving in to the afternoon, the one and three Northwestern Wildcats at the number 11 ranked 4 0 Penn State Nittany Lions. This is a 2 30 p.m. game on ESPN line Penn State by 26 and a half over under 52. So Vegas is saying something like 38 to 13 Penn State. Yeah, I mean, in a typical year, and correct me if I'm wrong, this feels like one of those. Northwestern trap games. Like I think in 2016, they went into Ohio state and challenged Ohio state 2018. They took Michigan, a really good Michigan team down to the ropes. So in a typical year, I would think Penn state better be careful and they better play well. Otherwise Northwestern can upset you, but they are just so bad. 
Yeah, I, I mean, they. I felt the this, butt. This, I felt the butt coming on. There. This is such a bad team. I mean, their run defense is 13th in the Big Ten. Uh, I feel like with not only Nick Singleton but now Katron Allen, Penn State has found a nice one-two punch. Um, and again, Sean Clifford is playing well, and I don't think. The, the one thing you can't do if you're Penn State in this game is is turnovers. That's the only way Northwestern's going to have a chance to be competitive in this game. So I don't think they're going to put it in Sean Clifford's hands a lot. Just for And he's played extremely well, but you have obviously run a higher risk throwing the football than you do running the football. And when you've got two pretty good running backs, just go ahead and run the ball against the 13th-ranked Big Ten run defense. So um, that's really what I'm looking at in this game it's always hard for me to dismiss a Northwestern team because there's always a way that Fitzy can get those teams to drag you through the mud. I just don't think that team has that identity this year. Yeah. I mean, guys like me and you, it's going to take maybe a whole nother year or two before we just accept the fact that Northwestern has struggled big time. Uh, And you can make an argument. It's been over the last three or four years with again, the 2020 year being the anomaly. Um, uh, but since Hakewentz has been gone, I mean, we've said it before. It'll be, it'll be a year or two for me and you. It'll be 10 years for Kurt, if not more, <laughs> before he'll before he'll accept it. Right. Um, but yeah, I there's not a ton to to like about this Northwestern team right now. Um, you know, as far as the debate we had, you know, horrible offense, bad defense, at times they've had both um not all at the same time uh like last week their defense did look better but then their offense looked anemic for for too much for too many parts of the game and then you flip it on the other side to penn state um ranked 11th they should be higher i mean they should be front of kentucky if they had a freaking sec logo on their uniform they would be in the top 10 and probably closer to six or seven a lot of the S&P stuff that I see has Minnesota and Penn State, by the way, in the top seven or six, even. I mean, they're they're mm-hmm. much higher than their AP ranking is. Um, I think part of this line, this might be this might be deep state college thinking, but I think part of the line being this close, and that's right, 26 and a half being this close, is yeah. because of how Penn State looked last weekend versus Central Michigan. I think Central Michigan's pretty good and i think they caught penn state in a sleepwalking zone my guess is they got coached up a little bit this week uh katron allen's got a hot hot hand uh but we got another freshman running back that wants to get his highlight reel back on there clifford is another six-year senior that is is in control the defense feels you out and then they lower the boom I think these talented corners will lock down on these limited Northwestern wide receivers. And that front seven for Penn state is, is going to feast. I mean, they're, they're going to attack Evan hole and make the quarterback and outside athletes beat them. And unless, like you said, there's turnovers, I, I don't see how it happens. I do think one thing about this game, I, I do think Penn state's defense is good. I think there's a little feast or famine there. Like I think Northwestern's offense is not great, but I think it's good enough to, if I think they can hit a big play or two in this yes. game uh, because Penn state plays super aggressive under uh, Manny Diaz. So I think there might be a, a few plays there. I just, I think Penn state's offense is going to be able to answer every, every um, score or big play that Northwestern has. I agree. I mean, if Penn State didn't have the rushing attack they did, I would maybe predict a lower score. 
Uh, But I think the whole playbook is going to be available for Penn State early and often. And they're going to want to get to 2-0 in the Big Ten at home, give their home fans uh, a showing. If this was on Ryan Field in the High Plains, I I would probably predict this a little bit bit different. But in the end, I I almost made this my lock of the week. This is one that I like quite a bit. I've got Penn State 45, Northwestern 14, and at 59 points, I like the over. I have Penn State 41, Northwestern 17. So that's a Northwestern cover, and at 58, it's an over. You've got Northwestern cover, though. Okay. You're, all right. I mean, I would not – again, that's another line that I would not I would not like to play with. Okay. Interesting. Okay, I like I like that one more. And maybe maybe this is another banana in the tailpipe situation to me. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. All right. Moving in to our last game in the afternoon, the two and two Michigan state Spartans at the three and one should be ranked Maryland Terrapins. This is on FS one line Terps by seven and a hook over under 60. So Vegas is saying something like 34 to 27. How high would Maryland be ranked if they had the sec logo on their Jersey DS? I would say, Top 20. Yep. I'll say 17 or 18. That's based on, this is what drives me nuts about this. Okay. Texas, Alabama was a one point game. Texas was not ranked heading into that game. They were after that loss. Maryland looked better against Michigan, in my opinion, than Texas did against Alabama because Alabama had like 15 or 16 penalties in that game. Like Alabama did not play good football in that game. And I don't think Texas, Texas looked good, but I don't think they played great football. I think Alabama just rolled their helmets out, had a lot of mental mistakes. So why is it that when Maryland plays the fourth ranked team and plays them well for four quarters, they're not ranked. It's like we're talking more about the differences when you watch that Alabama-Texas game. The national perception is, wow, Texas might actually be back. When you watch the Michigan-Maryland game, it's like, boy, what the hell is wrong with Michigan? And I don't understand it. It's bias. Um, I got it in, I got invited on to a quick chat with Braden Gull. Um, I pointed the exact same thing out. Uh, they, they were breaking down the Michigan-Maryland game, talking almost exclusively on – the issues for Michigan and I got on, I'm not, no, wait a second. Maryland has got a senior dominated offense and an offensive line. They've got, they've got a couple guys that are going to get drafted off that offensive line. This offense is moving the ball on everybody in this country, in this country, everybody may, I think they'd even move the ball in Georgia. Heck Kent state moved the ball on Georgia last weekend. So like that, it's a really good, Offense, the defense, I'm not so in love with as much. I mean, you kind of helped me see, see the light there a little bit with that. Um, so, like, at long story short is another thing to point out in the in the ranking BS, so many pollsters seem to be so in love with the offense. So give Maryland some love. They've right. been putting up big numbers under locks for the last year and a half, you know? Like, so give them right. the, ooh, it's nice and shiny and new you know, offense, like they've got all it takes. So anyways, with that being said, um, the health of Leah Tunga Viola is in question here. Um, Lox was a little bit cagey this week, basically throughout that, you know, either one of them could play the other one being freshman Billy Edwards, who came into that Michigan game dealing, dude, he was ready he to own, go. Yeah. And, and I, and I think it's a credit to Lox and the fact that he's surrounded by, again, so much talent 
running back. I mean, freaking Roman Hemby is a name that more people should should know. So yeah. there's a lot to like about Michigan scoring a lot of points on Saturday. I, yes, um, and I think we're in between. I think you liked Maryland's defense uh, a lot more than I did, but I think I thought it was going to be a lot worse. I think it is better. I don't think it's great. I don't think it's up there with the top of the – the big 10 by any stretch, but I think it can win you a lot of football games. Um, the other thing that I've been really impressed with, and I just go back to, to Talia when he reached on that, I don't know if it was a third down or a fourth down and he got the conversion in the red zone against Michigan and he's up in their faces and his helmet fell off and he's celebrating. I feel like this Maryland team has a completely different mentality that I thought we would never see under Mike Loxley. I don't know why, but I just thought we would never see it. Um, it's re- it's, resili- so that, it's resiliency. I mean, they it showed is. it. They showed it versus Michigan after the way it started. Right, and and I sent you and and Big Kurt on on our little chain there. I sent the 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 gif of the uh, or gif, whatever you pronounce it is, of the guy getting kicked in the nuts because I was like, this is a fifty six to seven game after the opening kickoff, and they bounced back and they fought for sixty minutes. I did not think we'd see that. Yeah, um, and my joke, my joke after the beginning out of the game started was. Uh oh, this locks, locks. familiar. Um, <laughs> was gonna throw that tweet out, but I had to give it a little bit of a time, and then Maryland came right. back. Switching to the other side, uh, I still think Michigan State has a decent offense. Okay, I do. I think, I think Minnesota well, made. I think Minnesota made their offense look a lot worse than it actually is. I mean, that offense wound up putting numbers on Washington. They put up crazy numbers in their first two G five games. So. I think the offense is better than what people are saying, but I, I don't, I don't see how Michigan State stops this Maryland offense. Like I, anyways, you got Raheem Jerry, you got uh, Dante Demas, Jason Jones, Jacob Copeland. All this is a laundry list of receivers, and then as you mentioned, Roman Hemby. Well, obviously the quarterback situation is going to play a huge impact in this game. Um, I am not nearly I. I think Michigan state is bad on both sides of the football. Um, maybe they're a little bit better offensively, like you said, but I go back to what you and big Kirk talked about um, last season, especially in that peach bowl game. Kenneth Walker made that offensive line look really good. And the running backs looked solid. Jalen Berger um, and Jarek Broussard looked good in the first couple games. And these last couple, they have not looked good at all. So I'm wondering I, if there's some offensive line issues Peyton Thorne um, probably gets too much of a bad rap. I don't think he's been bad, but he's not been nearly as explosive or the playmaker we saw last season. So I I think they'll be able to move the ball against Maryland. I don't think they're going to be able to stop it. And I, I don't think that it, even if it got into a shootout, I don't know that Michigan State can put up the kind of points it did last season where it's going to hang with Maryland in this one. Yeah, it's hard for me to – it's hard for me to picture – how this swings in Michigan state's direction. And that's why this one is the most banana in the tailpipe to me. I, I, I fully expected this to be a 13 to 14. I wouldn't have been shocked with a 16 or 17 point spread for Maryland. It opened up at like six, six, and then it moves, you know, pretty quick. But like, so I, do you, I was going to ask, do you think Michigan, if, if, if it's the exact same team in Indiana's on the front of the jersey, do you think it's a 13-point spread? Do you think Mich- I'm saying do you think Michigan State being the name yes. of the team? 
Okay. Yes, I, I think it. that is my belief that kind of like there was money to be made on Kansas State. There, mm-hmm. Vegas has finally caught up. Kansas, excuse me, or Kansas State, I suppose. But Vegas is starting to catch up with Kansas. I don't think Vegas has caught up with Michigan State or right. Maryland with this line. Or it's a banana in the tailpipe thing and you take the yeah. points. I, I, So I'm, I'm going to be bullish here. Okay. I, I feel like I see what I see. I've got Maryland 44, Michigan State 28. So I so that's an over. I like the over, but Maryland only needing to cover a touchdown is my Amador double barrel lock of the week. Wow. Um, you're quite a bit higher on Maryland, but I have Maryland 34, Michigan State 24. That's a Maryland cover. 64 is the over. And I also had that as my Amador double barrel. Lock of the week. You've got Maryland covering. Yes. That's your, that's your, so we got a, that, yes, yes. We got a double. We got a, we got a double. I don't yes. think we've ever done that before. Me and you buyer beware, buyer beware. Moving into our only evening game, the three and one Indiana Hoosiers at the one and three Nebraska Cornhuskers. This is at 6 30 PM on big 10 network. Naturally the Huskers are favored by six over under 60. So Vegas is saying 34 to 28 Nebraska. Um, yeah. So the three and one team is a dog. And so that's interesting. The other interesting thing is this is one of the odder rivalries in the big yeah. 10. It's not regional, but there, there certainly are Nebraska fans that can't stand Tommy Allen. Haven't seen as much talk yet. It's earlier in the week. I've been busy, but I think also Nebraska fans are much more focused on the coaching search and the teams that are actually being played that weekend. Um, I don't know, man. I mean, I, I don't think Indiana is as good as their three and one record. I'm sorry. I, I, no. I, I do not. Okay. So I, that's part of what you see in this line, but Nebraska has been, has been so bad and, and, yes. and a second half come, you know, like they had not come from behind, but it took a second half explosion to beat North Dakota. They're, they're, they got beat by Northwestern, who who hasn't done a thing since then. Oklahoma derails them and then gets absolutely decleated by Kansas State. Like, I, I said this to a couple of Nebraska fans in DMs. I hated the thought of picking this game even before I saw the line. And then I saw the line, and it made me hate to want to, to pick this game yes. even more. I don't know if any of that made sense to you. It does make sense because I, I guess – I am. I was trying to fight the urge of of falling for the banana in the tailpipe in this one because I saw it, and then my mind immediately starts thinking because I agree with you. I don't think Indiana is nearly as good. And one thing I can tell you is that you know, co-hosting a, a radio show, Indiana Sports Beat, is that a lot of Indiana fans wanted Scott Frost to be the head coach of this game because they wanted this game to be the game <laughs> which he lost and then got fired. So there's a little bit of of that going into it too. Um, I don't know if this is giving too much away about my pick, uh, but I'm just going to go into it because I don't know what else to break down in okay. terms of this game. The, the good thing about Nebraska, the thing that can give you some hope is they had an extra week to prepare for it. Um, and the fact that it's a home game, I think plays into it. Indiana has not played well in the first half all season long. 
does this not scream to you? Nebraska gets like a 21 to three lead feels really good going into the second half and then loses another one possession game. So that's <laughs> like, that's exactly what uh, right. went through my I mean, you bring, you bring up some interesting stuff. And, and the thing is, is like Nebraska getting off to a big lead and then gacking it fits also even more perfectly into how Indiana's looked, which is they just don't give up. You know, like I right. made the joke again, they're like a zombie body shots don't do any good. You got to cut the head off. I don't know if Nebraska has the ability to cut the head off anybody. Um, and the other thing too is, I'm, and I'm kind of going off of Jerry DiNardo. Okay. Like Jerry DiNardo is very impressed with what Indiana and their offensive staff have been doing with maybe not, you know, the, the highest level of, of talent. So that's been something that's been sticking in my head too. Um, Basilac's pretty good. Yeah, but he's not great. I like Shivers. I mean, he, you know, and they, and and they got they got some guys on the outside that ain't. It, it's a better Indiana team again than than I gave him credit for back in August. So it's another team that I that I was wrong on. Um, uh, with that being said, um, the the intangibles. Uh, I was or, uh, Nebraska's coming off an idle week. Indiana's had emotional games every game. Now they go on to the road. There are, and it's a night game in Memorial Stadium. I mean, it doesn't matter what record it is. Nebraska fans will be there and they'll be full throat. So I think that's a lot of what plays into this. Um, By the way, that line started at four and went up. (laughs) There's more people betting on Nebraska. So anyways. uh, I I think I'm not, again, I'm going to pat myself on the back here, but one of the things I thought Walt Bell would be able to do was when I watched him at Maryland, in 2016 and 17, I think it was the thing he knew is that he didn't have an offensive line. And yet he was able to get the ball into the hands of the playmakers and Maryland wasn't great, but they got to a bowl game in 2016. And, and, um, and then they were, they they really didn't play anybody. They were competitive against teams. They weren't supposed to be so, but he found a way to win six games. And I thought he would do that in Indiana. So far he's done that. We talk a lot about the offensive line at Indiana. Um, Can, that is less concerning to me because you know that unit's going to be bad. Their defensive backs, really their entire defense, has been god-awful for most of this season. Like, that to me is the bigger story. We knew Indiana didn't have an offensive line coming into this season. But <laughs> their defense is veteran. They've got an All-American in Taiwan Mullen. They've got a two- or three-year team captain in Cam Jones. Um, at times when they've needed to step up, they've made plays. But you cannot give up a 38 to 10 lead to Cincinnati. You cannot go down 10 nothing against Idaho. Uh, so I just I, feel like saw Nebraska's it, but, offense is good enough to where they can put some points up on the board. Yeah. And I, I think when Tom Allen said, we've got veteran guys getting beat on double moves, that might as well have been, he might as well have said Taiwan Mullen. Right. In that, like, I, He's frustrated. Um, don't know if that gets fixed this week. There are talent. There's talent on the outside with Nebraska. Like yeah. this isn't a punchless attack. Um, Casey Thompson, I think he wants to put something on film, you know, like he yeah. wants to get some good film out there. This is a prideful program. They're playing in front of their home crowd. I can't believe I'm doing it, but this is a banana t- in the tailpipe moment. When it came out, Nebraska favored, I decided no, there's something there with it. So I've got Nebraska 34, Indiana 27. 
Uh, so that's a Nebraska cover by a, a point. I'm not like extremely confident. And at 61 points, I ever so slightly have the over. I don't like anything in this game is what I'm trying to try to tell you people. I don't like this game uh, at all either. So I'm going, I think this game plays out exactly as I said. I think Nebraska gets a big lead and then they're, they snatch uh, defeat from the jaws of victory. I have Indiana 33, Nebraska 30. So that's uh, uh, Indiana with a win. Uh, so a cover. And then at 63, that is a slight over. It could wind up being a pretty entertaining game. I mean, I think so too. Yeah. I mean, if you put money on this game, if you're not a Nebraska or Indiana fan, it, it could be something that entertains you quite a bit. All right. Now it is time for the big 10 game of the week. Sorry that we, again, that we didn't put it out to vote. My bad. We'll get you back next week. Eyes on big listeners. The three and one Illinois fighting Illini at the two and two Wisconsin Badgers. This is an 11 o'clock AM game on BTN line Badgers by seven over under 43. So Vegas is saying something like a 26 to 18 Badgers victory. Something to throw out here. Uh, Illinois has one in Camp Randall once in the last 20 years and three times in the last three decades. Pretty much since Barry Alvarez got control of the football program, they have owned Illinois and owned them even greater in inside Camp Randall. Um, but there's a new hombre in town. He's a big boy. His name's Brett Bielma, and he is going against... His former longtime employer, first time into Camp Randall. Um, that's part of the reason. I mean, honestly, dude, the hair at the back of my neck just stood up when I when I said that. Um, he is doing everything he can to downplay it. Be, he wants the the attention to be on his players. He's saying and doing all the right things, but you can't tell me he doesn't want this game as bad as any game on his schedule, dude. I am I am geeked for this game, and I am so ticked off that this is the same time as the Iowa game. I wish so much that this was a two thirty or night game so that we could have even more juice around it. This should be the night game. Um, and this is again, why last week I talked about, I loved the makeup of Illinois schedule because I knew, I don't care what Brett Bielema says. This is a big game. He wants to get this win. And you mentioned the stat with, with basically since Barry Alvarez took her, took over Wisconsin's dominated the series and dominated camp Randall. Uh, Grandpa Barry ain't around no more. And this looks like a very um, different Wisconsin football team. Okay, so I wrote like, and I think what you're getting at is the the, the overall Alvarez effect. I mean, he has completely cut away from the athletic department. Um, You know, I don't know how privy everybody that listens to this podcast is for online stuff, but um, there's a lot of stuff swirling around Paul Crest right now and the frustration that a typically kind of yeah yeah you know the Packers are playing the next day you know like that's typically how Wisconsin fans are they're pissed right now they're they're they are upset and they're they're still swirling around Chris and and are they going to lose Leonard all that stuff and I tell you what this could be a watershed moment if they would happen to lose this game Right. I, I, after what I saw last year, I don't want to count Wisconsin out, but the way they lost that Washington state game was so ugly. And then to just get boat raced by Ohio state. Um, this is, this is not a, 
from what I've seen through four games, this is not a good Wisconsin team. And by the way, that Washington State game, in my opinion, is a carbon copy of the way Brett Bielema wants this game to unfold against, uh, against Wisconsin. Create a lot of turnovers, make it a close game, play physical, create some turn or, or, or get Wisconsin, you know, they, they had, a, what, 11 penalties in that game? Not a very disciplined Wisconsin team. So um, I still think Wisconsin, I still trust Jim Leonard. He hasn't given me reason really not to. I know I, I you kind of throw the Ohio State game out the window, in my opinion. Um, and they only allowed what that was a 17 14 game against Washington State. So the defense played okay. They had some sloppy tackling. They do have some players on offense. It just has seemed disjointed through four games. And Illinois is rolling. I mean, they have gotten better. That Indiana game, I'd like to see that played right like this week because I think Illinois wins. They just look like they've gotten better each and every week. Um, yeah. And Chase yeah. Brown is rolling. Tommy De- TD, TD Tommy DeVito, nine touchdowns, two interceptions. I mean, <laughs> Big Kurt has got to be having a heyday at nine touchdowns, two interceptions through four games. That is exactly what you want from this Illinois team. And, and um, Ryan Walters is maybe one of the top four defensive coordinators in the Big Ten. Yeah, like he's underrated. Yeah. So um, when talking about I the Illinois – when talking about the Illinois fighting Illini, Big Kurt is satisfied and positive. Freaks me out, man. Freaks me out, dude. Don't know how I'm supposed to don't know how I'm supposed to to handle it. But it also speaks volumes to what this Illinois team has has looked like. I mean, the defense. Uh, like you said, Walters is just dude, he's dealing. I mean, him and Joe Rossi, and oh, by the way, you know, Phil Parker. And you still got to put Leonard in there. I mean, these D coordinators are just doing an amazing job, but his name needs to be brought up when you talk about the geniuses in the Big Ten defensive coordinators. Their their DBs are physical. They hit you. Uh, they they create turnovers. Um, the front seven could be a touch better for me. Yeah. You know, that's one thing that gives me a little bit gives me a little bit pause for concern for Illinois in this game. Um, then on offense, um, I mean, so let me ask you this question: Who's got the better quarterback? in this game, Illinois. And it's, you answer that very quickly because it seems obvious. And then who has the better running back? I I mean, it's close, but it, it might be chase Brown. And, and mm-hmm. now we're seeing more wide receivers emerge yep. for Illinois that they're getting playmakers. Um, like this is another banana in the tailbite thing to me, because this seems like two evenly matched, teams with and by the way both horrible special teams so i guess i'll just let those cancel out but that <laughs> but by the yeah. way that could be a huge part if if one team out craps the other team in special teams i think that might wind up being a huge play in the game um one more thought is you know i like the number one focus for the illinois defense is obviously got to be agent zero so if he if if Allen goes off, I think Wisconsin wins this game. Okay, I I, I do, and I think Leonard does enough to to confuse uh, Tommy DeVito. But if they are able to slow up a Wisconsin rushing attack, where Allen is great, but but the offensive line has not been, and and they're and teams are not worried about the outside threat with Mertz, it's a muck it's a mucky game, you know, and and anybody can win. 
I, I mean, I don't know. I think Illinois can hand the ball off to Chase Brown on first and second down, get to third down, and I think Tommy DeVito is good enough where he can pick up a third and four, a third and seven. Like I, I just this is some this is a weapon that Illinois has not had in what I don't even know how long. It's been a long time um, since they've had that kind of weapon. Maybe Wes Lunt in that category. Mm. Um, I Nate Shieldhouse. I don't. I, that's that's another good one. Yeah. Um, like I just I just think Chase Brown. It, He's um, he's good. He might that's better. what he is. He might be better than ba- Braylon Allen, but he's just he's constantly. I think you put it, but I want to either you or Big Kurt said it. There's just two or three plays when you think he touches the ball and he's gone, and I that to me is a weapon that Illinois has not had, and they haven't had a decent quarterback to back it up. And yeah, sometimes, trust, sometimes Chase Brown. Sometimes Chase Brown's most impressive runs are like 12 yards. Sure. Where they look like it's a negative two to two yard run. Yeah, sure. And he yep. gets a he gets a first down out of it. Huge for any offense, but but certainly Illinois. Um, I mean, I think we're seeing somewhat the 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 same game here. This definitely is one of those games where one or two plays is gonna make the difference in the game. And and you know, it's Maybe some people scoff at this being the game of the week, but like it's so compelling because of the Brett stuff. But yeah. also, this is two ships passing in the night for programs too. This would send Illinois streaking yes. and 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 could sink Wisconsin. Not completely. I mean, this is a proud program. I still think this is a pretty darn good football team. This is a team that like I don't know. Let's say they go seven and five and go in a into a bowl. Nobody wants to play this Wisconsin team. You know, like I still think it's that type of team. So I don't, I don't want to besmirch Wisconsin too much, but I'm also don't think I'm overplaying it by saying these two teams playing each other right now is a big deal. Yeah, it is. And I wish we had an over under for the number of yips of excitement that big Kurt would have, as well as the over under on (laughs) God damn it. This game is over. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Comments in this game because I feel like there's going to be a wave of emotion uh, coming from his house this game. So um, I'll go ahead and give my prediction for this. I have another upset win. I have Illinois 21, Wisconsin 20. So that's an Illinois upset victory cover. And at 41, it's an under. Yeah, we are so close. Um, I was there at one point and maybe it's the ghost of Badger's past that, that is getting me here. But like, there is a little bit of, I got to see it to believe it going on with this prediction, but I I like Illinois in the points. Wish I could have got it at that nine that it opened up, but that thing, that thing disappeared like a fart in the wind uh, (laughs) as soon as it was, it was on the book. So I've got Wisconsin 23, Illinois 21. So I feel pretty darn good about the Illinois cover thought about this being my Amador double barrel lock of the week. And at 44, I am just over. That is a low total. And there's, I, at one point I thought under in this game, but with Allen and special teams, goofiness and, and some explosiveness for Illinois, I think it's two little points. I, I, I think it will go over. 
Well, there you go, Dustin. We we know all these teams, which which meant we had a lot to talk about. Uh, which each one of these games, we went a little bit longer, but that's okay. That's what happens when you when you get all the big V big action. You got you got stuff that gets you excited, and you want to talk about it. Especially week one with so many intriguing matchups. It wasn't they're not bad matchups. These are really intriguing matchups. It's our first uh, full big on big week. I'm fired up for it, man. Absolutely. Um, Hey, man, good luck to you over the next 48 to 72 hours, whatever it takes with the hurricane. Uh, Hunker down, get some bourbon, get a couple cigars. You're going to be okay, buddy. We got faith in you, all right? (laughs) I'm going to survive it one way or another. (laughs) I am Jeffrey the Greek. I'm not Big Kurt. (laughs) This has been the Eyes on Big Podcast. We'll talk to you soon.